Today we are kicking off the Smile Series. Who's excited today? Doesn't that feel good? In fact, I think it'd be appropriate for us just to kick off our time by just grinning a little bit. Would that feel good today? Can we just do that for, for maybe like 10 seconds? Could everybody just go? Can everybody just smile real big? Doesn't that feel good? You know, scientists are telling us today that people that smile intently have longer lifespans. There's a lot of reasons to smile. They also tell us that we ought to smile more because it relieves stress. It enhances our mood. In fact, we know that uh, from a chemical perspective in the body, when we smile, it releases dopamine and serotonin, which are the feel-good chemicals in the body. So it elevates mood. It stimulates the immune system, it lowers the blood pressure, and it helps us to stay more positive in life. Over the next few weeks, I want to share with you some of my favorite Bible verses that are going to help you. They're going to help you smile a little bit more. And I think we need to smile a little bit more. I'm going to be preaching to you a series of messages from the Minor Prophets, which is a portion of Scripture that almost no one reads. <laughs> but God has some profound things to say to us in and through those. And I want to turn our attention to the book of Nahum. Nahum. Everybody say Nahum. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. Nahum is a funny book of the Bible because it's definitely not a book that most people would associate with a lot of smiling. It's actually a book of judgment. It's a book about the destruction of the Assyrian Empire. But tucked away in the middle of this book about condemnation and judgment is a reminder that God is really good. And I think sometimes it's in the middle of the hard times that we need to go back and remember that God is good. When we're going through the struggle, when we're going through the heartache, when we're going through the difficulties, we need to remember God is good. Now, you, if you've read the Bible much, you might know the city of Nineveh. It was the place that Jonah the prophet preached. And uh, if, you, if you know the story, Jonah didn't want to go there. He ran away. He got swallowed by a big fish. He goes and preaches there anyway. And the people turned to God. And these are not Israelites. These are pagan people. It's the first missionary passage in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. And the whole city of Nineveh turns and embraces the God of the Hebrews. It's, a, it's an amazing story. This is like 150 years later. The Assyrians have gone back to their former way of living. And God is extremely frustrated with them. He's given them tons of opportunity. And in fact, whenever God brings judgment in the Bible, it's always slow. God is an amazingly patient God. God uh, always gives us opportunity to turn to him. But, but sometimes God has a, has, a, has a limit. He has a lid. And, and, and the prophet Nahum is prophesying about the, the judgment there in uh, Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire these guys were hated so much by all of their neighbors because they had an army that every spring would go out and declare war on all of its neighbors. They tortured people. 
They, they looted, they destroyed, they raped. They, they did all of the things that armies in the ancient world uh, did to hurt people. And as a result, the Israelites couldn't stand these guys. And they were afraid of them. Their cruelness and their wickedness was, uh, you know, beyond, beyond apology. And Nahum says some words of judgment upon the, the city there of Nineveh. But, but in Nahum chapter 1 verse 7, he goes back and he says something that I want to share with you today that I really believe is going to make you smile. He says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of distress, he cares for those who take refuge in him. And I want us to see three things about God that are going to make us smile. Number one is simply this. God is really good. God is really good. And if you look at verse 7, the first part of that verse says, The Lord is, come on, say it with me. The Lord is good. The Lord is good, and he's that stronghold in the middle of dis, uh, distress. Um, goodness is the nature and the heart of God. God always acts in accordance with what is right and true. Goodness is a part of God's nature. He cannot contradict himself, his holiness, his righteousness. That, that's all a part of who God is, but a lot of people today are questioning the goodness of God. This is really not a new, a new question. If you read back into the early pages of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden, the very first thing that the serpent says to them questions the goodness of God. If you know the passage, you know that the serpent says, Did God really say... Did God really say that, that you can't eat of the fruit of that tree? In other words, is God holding out on you? Does God, is it that, that, that God just wants to kind of put you down? Is, is, is God really good? I mean, you know, maybe he has some good days and some bad days, but I mean, maybe you're missing something, Eve. And all the way back at the beginning of human history, people were questioning the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Uh, Nahum says, God is good. God is good. I remember a, a few Christmases ago, actually a lot of Christmases ago, I was about nine years old. I had uh, asked for a bicycle for Christmas and, and I wrote out my, like, my Christmas list and I gave it to my parents and, and my parents always bought really great presents for Christmas, you know, I, I definitely got the hook up. But this Christmas, I did not get the dirt bike of my dreams. And it was number one on the list. And I'm thinking, come on, Mom, pull it together. <laughs> Have you ever had a Christmas like that? You're like, guys, I made this easy. I told you where to buy it. I told you how much it cost. It was actually a very expensive bike. And I already had two other dirt bikes, okay? So, so maybe that had something to do with it, but... But I was kind of disappointed. It started to ruin my Christmas. And then I realized, wait a second. I got these really cool video games. I got a new basketball. I got some new clothes, which wasn't really what I was asking for, but those are pretty nice. And I got some other things. Maybe Christmas wasn't all that bad. Maybe you felt that way before. 
When it comes to the goodness of God, we need to stop thinking about what we didn't get for Christmas, and we need to focus on what we did get, what we did get. God has done a lot of things that are good in our life, even if there's still some hurt and some pain. And the goodness of God is, is, is spoken of in Psalm 27, 13. This is the writing of King David. He says this, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Do you know why a lot of people are discouraged today? They don't believe that God is good. And David says, listen, I would have given up a long time ago if I didn't believe that God was really good. See, the, good, the, the, the faith, the belief that God is good is the thing that's going to sustain you in the middle of the greatest hardships of your life. And you may think, well, maybe David just had this charmed life. You know, he was like king of Israel and, you know, man after God's own heart and had all this cool stuff. Let me remind you, King David had a tough time. Uh, one of his sons, Absalom, tried to take the throne from him and caused a coup. David had to actually flee the capital city of Jerusalem for a period, and then his son was killed in the battle. David was heartbroken. Uh, David uh, was, was uh, chased around by Saul, his boss. King Saul tried to kill him. Found out he had been chosen to be the next king, and Saul was going to take him out. I mean, Saul was like a father figure to David, and, and now he's trying to murder me. Uh, one of his sons raped his daughter. I mean, if you just read the story of David, it's not that he had an easy life. The thing that kept David going through the adversities of his life was his belief that, the, that God was really good. And look back at verse 13. It says there of Psalm 27, I would have despaired had I not believed that the goodness of the Lord, that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And I love that I would see. Because see, it's easier to believe that God is good to other people than it is to believe that God is good to me. A lot of Christian people are like, oh, God's good. God's good to everyone else. You know, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that God is good to you? See, when you believe that, you can have a smile on your face even in the middle of great hardship. And God is good even when our circumstances are not. Here is where we find comfort. God is good even when the world is bad. We can always count on God. God is good not because of my circumstances but because of his nature. And God is remarkably consistent. He doesn't have like good days and bad days. He's always the same. And that's why David could say, man, I would have given up a long time ago. I would have quit had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God. I hope you come, have come to church today with an expectation that you will see the goodness of God. He follows this up in verse 14 and he says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart be courageous. Wait on the Lord. In other words, if you're saying, I'm really not seeing the goodness of God, David's instruction is, Two times in verse 14 is wait for the Lord. Okay, God's not finished yet. Don't, don't give up yet. He says, wait for the Lord. Look at it again. Wait for the Lord. And then he says, be strong 
and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. So we got to stay strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Wait for him. I can wait because God is good. James 1.17 says that every good thing bestowed is a perfect gift from above. So if something is not good, it didn't come from God. And you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is an expression of God's goodness. It was, it was God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the grave to redeem us sinful people who were lost and broken. And it was the goodness of God. It was the goodness of God. Uh, sometimes our past disappointments, our past failures cause us to question God's goodness. Um, you know, everything's great when everything's great. Sometimes God is just doing something new in our lives. Maybe that's why you're going through something. Um, sometimes it's the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world. Sin entered into humanity way back in the Garden of Eden and we live in a broken place. We live in a broken place. That doesn't mean we have a broken God. We have a, we have a God that is in the process of healing a broken place. But we live in a, in a broken world. That's why we have disease. That's why we have sin. That's why we have destruction. That's why we have animosity. By the way, God is the one that's holding the world together. Can you just imagine this planet without the goodness of God? I mean, you think it's bad now. You just wait. You just wait. And sometimes people do bad things, but that's not God. God's given us a, some moral freedoms. You know, God's not going to force you to do what is right. But none of, that, none of that takes away from the goodness of God. The goodness of God. God's goodness is a core value. It needs to be a core value of our life. Because when it's a core value of our life, we can smile even in the middle of the worst news of all. Some of us are going through the hardest time in our entire life today. I just want to remind you, God is good. God is good. He really is. And he's, when you believe that God is good, it will strengthen your prayer life. Okay, you will pray with greater expectation. Um, you will embrace bigger opportunities because you have faith. You know, listen, when you don't believe God is good, when you get a promotion at work, you just think, well, that'll only last for a while. You know, I, the, they're going to give me this promotion, but I, I, I probably not going to have it a year from now. It's the goodness of God that keeps us going. It keeps us full of faith. It keeps us full of hope. It, it keeps us strengthened. David says, I would have despaired. I would have given up a long time ago if I didn't believe in the goodness of God. And when you believe in the goodness of God, it keeps you going. God is really, really good. But Nahum also reminds us that God is a second thing. Not just that God is good, but in addition to the goodness of God, God is really strong. I mean, he's strong. God's not just good, he's strong. I mean, put these two together. You have goodness and you have strength. You, you, you have God's vitality. God is not just happy and incapable. He is, he is good and he is strong. He's strong. Do you believe it? Look at that. The Lord is good. 
a stronghold in the day of distress. A stronghold is a well-fortified place. It's a place of strength. Maybe you visited a castle or a fortress or, 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 or another stronghold, maybe like a, a building that's intensely fortified. A few years ago, I had a chance to visit a big old castle, you know, and I, I have that image in my head when I think about a stronghold. A stronghold is a place of strength, though. And uh, how many of us are from the Midwest? Man, anybody here from like Kansas, Nebraska? All right, you guys know about some hurricanes, man. You're living in Hurricane Alley, amen? Oklahoma's got some, uh, got some, I mean hurricanes. Did I say hurricanes? I meant tornadoes, thank you. All right, wrong state, yes, tornadoes. Yeah, got to get those straight. Tornadoes. So my grandparents used to live in West Texas, which is kind of like Oklahoma. There's absolutely nothing there. And um, they lived on a Texas farm. And my grandparents had this cellar. And in the cellar, uh, it was outside. It was a cement boxed room with a big, huge metal vaulted door. I mean, like something out of a medieval castle. And you would go down into the steps. And I remember on a couple of occasions visiting Grandpa and Grandma and having to go and to seek refuge in the cellar because a big tornado was coming through and wiping everything out. And they, it was a room. It was maybe, you know, 10 or 15 feet across. And, 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 and there was a staircase. And they would keep their canned vegetables down in the, in the cellar. And my grandma would mark the dates, you know, whenever she canned the vegetables. And there was like one light that was swinging, you know, on a little cord in the middle. And, and uh, that's where you went. If there was a tornado or there was some kind of, you know, massive windstorm, uh, that you could seek refuge there. And, and God is a refuge. And Nahum is saying to us, God is not just good, but he's strong. And in the day of distress, where do we go? We go to the stronghold. We run to the stronghold. In other words, we, we run to God. We move to God. We, we are looking for God in the day of distress. Sometimes in the day of distress, we just kind of wander off. We get so discouraged, we forget about God. And we begin to seek refuge in other things like addictions or, or, or so many other things that can divert our attention away from God. We're seeking to cope. God is the divine coping method. God has given us this, this verse and this concept to help us to deal with the hardships in life and the things that want to make us frown rather than make us smile. God is really strong. He, he's a stronghold in the day of distress. And you notice he uses the word day of distress because, and he doesn't say the year of distress or the decade of distress because the day of distress emphasizes that many of the storms of life will come and they will go. Did you know a lot of the things that are upsetting you today won't even be an issue like a year from now? And you know, right now, it feels like the most important thing in your life. You know, you feel completely incapacitated. You can feel completely overwhelmed. But it's the day of distress, not the decade. Just keep that in mind. Think about it. It's days come and they go. They begin and they end. And every day we should run to the stronghold of God. 
You know, we have a great promise that at the end of time, God is going to set the world in order. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, is one of my favorite promises about this. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. The great news is you don't have to be strong because God is. Can I say it again? You don't have to be strong because God is. You may say, I feel so weak. You know what? That's okay. Because when you're weak, he's the one that's strong. Run to the stronghold. Don't, don't, don't try to act like you have it all together, like you know all the answers, like you have all the capability. That's, that's the Lord's role. We, we run to the stronghold. We go to that place of strength so we can maintain the vitality that we need in life. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are protected. Are you running to the tower? And, you know, it's interesting throughout Scripture, God has so many names. I believe that the reason that God has so many names is because God's character is, 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 is so diverse. And the names of God reveal different solutions to the problems that we have in life. So God doesn't have just one name. He's actually got a lot of names. Uh, yesterday, I was called Coach. Uh, I was called Dad. Uh, today, I'm called Pastor. Uh, I'm called Husband. I'm called Friend. I got a lot of names. You got a lot of names, too. And different names reveal different things about what you do and about your role. And so God has all of these names, and God has a name to fit every need that you have. So in the Old Testament, he's called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. You see, God is, is, the, is the provider for us. God provides when we don't have what we need. Jehovah Rophe, um, the one who brings healing out of our sickness. God is the one who cares for you when you're sick. Uh, Abba is, is another term, meaning father. It, it, it's, it's a term in, in the Aramaic language that means like daddy. And it reveals to us the heart and the character of God that he wants to be intimate and have warm affection for us. Jesus says that we can call on the great God of the universe, Abba, Father, Daddy. God is big enough to be the God of heaven and small enough to be my daddy. Wow. Elohim is another Hebrew name for God, meaning powerful or strong one. It speaks to the sovereign, creative work of God. You know, sometimes you just need to know that God is in charge. And isn't it beautiful that God can be Abba, He can be my daddy, and yet He can be victorious and big and strong and dominant and, and powerful all at the same time. He's also called El Shaddai, meaning the overpower. God will do what He purposes to do. He sustains, nourishes, and protects me. He takes me in my weaknesses and makes me strong. Jehovah Nisi, uh, the Lord is my banner. He's the one who gives me victory in my battles. 
Jehovah Shalom, he's the one who gives peace. Peace. Um, he points us to peace in times of unrest. Uh, Jehovah uh, Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who cares for me. He's the one that tends to me. He's the one that guides me. He's the one that leads me. We could go on and on and on and talk about all the names of God, but the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's, it's a refuge. And if we want to smile in the middle of hardship, we need to learn to run where the power and the strength is. And that's, that is the name of the Lord. Finally, God is not just good. He's not just strong. God is also compassionate. He's really compassionate. I mean, God's strength alone is not necessarily a comfort. It's God's strength and his comfort that really begins to focus our lives during those times that are difficult. Look at this in, in Nahum 1.7 again. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. And look at that word cares. He cares. It implies God's tender care. Just like a doctor. Have you ever been to the doctor before? Maybe you were sick or you were injured and the doctor began to examine you and they ask a bunch of questions. And um, uh, I remember when I broke my elbow uh, when I was in high school, the doctor, you know, looked at it. He examined it. He wasn't, you know, jerking on it and things like that. He was just, you know, he was, he was asking questions. He was analyzing. He was looking at the bruising. He was putting his fingers in his hands. He was trying to understand. He was trying to care for me. I was reminded of this a couple weeks ago. I fell down the stairs at my house. And uh, after several days of not feeling like normal, I thought, I'm going to go to the doctor. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy going to the doctor. I would almost rather. The only thing I hate more than going to the doctor is going to the dentist. You know, I really don't like to go to the doctor. So if I go to the doctor, it's, it's like bad. It's really bad. So I'm going to the doctor. And he's asking me a bunch of questions. And at the end of our time, he says, Ryan, I think that you, you have some bruised internal organs because of the way that you fell. And he says, I think you may have chipped your sacrum. I was like, oh, my goodness. He goes, but the good news is you don't have to have surgery. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. I was like, I don't want to have surgery back there. I mean, I don't want to have surgery anywhere, but I certainly don't want to have surgery there. I said, well, what do you do for these kind of injuries? He said, well, you just let it get better. And he gave me some supplements. And, you know, he told me it was going to be okay. Sometimes going to the doctor will bring some peace of mind to you, won't it? Won't it? I mean, you know, I felt, I felt like, well, I'm in a little pain. He says, you're going to hurt for a few weeks, but you're going to be okay. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I need to hear. Sometimes when we talk to God, it brings peace of mind. Sometimes when we talk to God... It brings a sense of security. Sometimes when the word of God takes root into our life, it helps us to see a path forward to healing and to strength. And, and I think all of that is what's implied here in, in Nahum 1.7 when he says, he cares for those who take refuge in him. He's caring for us. He's, he's, he's looking at us. He's, he's helping us. He's aiding us just as a doctor cares for that, for that patient.
God is really compassionate. Now, God's compassion, I think, can perhaps be seen best in the 23rd Psalm. And let me just hit a couple of highlights there from Psalm 23 that I think relate to this. One is that God is the one who meets my spiritual needs. God's the one that meets my spiritual needs. In Psalm 23, 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That's, that's, that's your spiritual needs. Did you know you have a spiritual, you have a physical self, but you have a spiritual self. And the need to be loved and the need to be forgiven and the need to have purpose, these are all spiritual needs. And the shepherd, God, is the one who is showing compassion and he's the one that's guiding us and leading us and taking care of us. And I think this is what Nahum's describing to us. We also have some physical needs. And if you skip down to Psalm 23, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's physical needs. Uh, a sheep, sheep have to eat. And the role of the shepherd is to find a place where the sheep can be calm, can sit down, and where they can feast, where they can have physical sustenance. And it says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Um, he says, uh, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is talking about food and medicine. Oil uh, was used to, be pour, to, to pour onto the head of the sheep to keep the nose flies out. Now, more sheep die of nose flies than they do of predators. Nose flies would swim up, fly up into the nostrils of the sheep. They would lay their eggs, and it would literally drive a sheep crazy. They would jump off cliffs. They would bang their heads against trees. They would do anything to get rid of the nose flies. Well, what the shepherd does is he pours oil on the head so that, that the nose flies can't, can't begin to take over and infest the body of the sheep. This is physical care. God is the one who is taking care of your physical needs. Your physical needs. Uh, he also meets our emotional needs. And this is seen in verse 4 when it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't uh, be afraid. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That's talking about fear. That's your emotion. We have an emotional need. Um, God is the one who's meeting all of our needs. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. He knows what your needs are. By the way, God knows your needs before and he knows them better than you do. And he wants to meet all of your needs. And that's why we can smile today. We can smile today because God is really good. God is really strong. God is really compassionate. And that's why we have a lot of reasons to smile. Would you pray with me for just a moment?